Welcome to the Pillars of Smoke podcast, episode two. My name is Sam. And my name is Mag. And we hope you all are having a lovely day today. Uh, so, Mag, tell us. Let's just jump straight into this. Let's do it. What you been reading, bro? Man. And I've been going through, uh, I just recently started the book of Luke. And what I like to do when I read like to speed read through the book so Amen. i basically like just read through the thing like the entire thing in a couple of days and then i'll go back and i'll read it slowly mm. so in my initial first reading of of luke one of the passages that really just stood out and i just finished the first reading this week so i'm gonna go back now this second week and just read through it slowly it's probably gonna take me about two weeks or so but in this initial reading one of the passages or one of the chapters that really just popped out at me and even for a couple of days afterward was just sticking to me and it wouldn't come off of me was Luke chapter 9. Mm. Man, and Luke chapter 9 is really interesting passage because Luke is writing this letter. He's writing this, this gospel letter for the sake of the church, for basically just for the sake of telling the church, this is what's going on, guys. This is like the, this is the life of Jesus He's chronicling everything that's happening. and He's very detailed in all of his writings. This is probably the longest, uh, the the longest gospel letter. Yep. Luke also writes the longest um, epistle. The longest epistle. He writes the longest uh, book in, in the book of Acts in the New Testament. Yeah, he writes the longest book there. So he likes to write, oh, and he he's does. very detailed. So Doctor Luke, man, he is smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows. How to chronicle things. He knows how to engage the reader as well. So he's doing not a lot to be of, confused with Uncle Luke. <laughs> no, 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 not Uncle Luke, Doctor <laughs> Luke. So Doctor Luke, man, he does a great job. And as I was reading through Luke chapter nine, there's a couple of things that happens, and he calls the twelve mm. to come with him. Right. So it kind of gives me the idea that the twelve disciples weren't with him all the time. Mm. So they weren't constantly with him day-to-day, every single moment of Jesus' life. So they were probably scattered about doing life amongst themselves, doing like taking care of their businesses, their families, their wife, their in-laws, stuff like that. Right. And then Jesus calls them and he gathers them and he says, hey guys, all right, you know, let's let's come follow me for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. Let's go do some ministry. Yeah, let's go do some ministry, some some hands-on stuff. And then he moves on and, and, uh, as 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 basically they're doing ministry, a couple of things start to happen, and he talks to the Pharisees. He does he performs a couple of miracles, and one of the miracles in this passage was the feeding of the five thousand, where every you know many people know this miracle, where the disciples are hungry, they have this big massive following, and instead of sending them home and telling them, hey, just go ahead and do your thing. Go get your own McDonald's. Yeah, go ahead go ahead and get me Gadiz. The disciples are like, well, we have five fish and two loaves of bread, so what do we do now? <laughs> and uh, some of the guys, I guess, they were like, well, let Jesus take care of it. I mean, he called us here anyway. He might as well treat and so treat Jesus, he does. So Jesus goes ahead and just blesses oh, blesses the food. I, honestly, I think a blessing is an understatement there. But oh, definitely. Dude, I mean, when, when we talk about five loaves of five fish and two loaves of bread or something like that. Yep. And then the leftovers are 12 baskets of leftovers. That's abundant. Oh, 
That's that's such a surplus. It's not even funny. That's an absolute miracle took place here, and it's it it was so powerful that even today, people who don't read the Bible know that know story about the feeding of the five thousand. So the 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 character and the person of Jesus was so well known at this point that the next section of this passage in in Luke chapter nine verse eighteen, Jesus goes and he starts, he's praying alone. So let's pick it up and uh, I'll read it for us. Let's pick it up on verse 18. And it says, now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Hmm. And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah and others, the one, one of the prophets of the, um, of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered the Christ of God. That's, that's, that's such a profound question. It really is, man. It really is. And I think the fact that I think Jesus was so strategic in asking this question at this moment in time, because such a big following of people. He fed, the, the scriptures say that he fed 5,000, 5,000 men. But then you have to also take into account the, those who may not wives, have been tallied. Their so, kids. Yeah, women, children, maybe elderly people who are following along. So we can probably say anywhere between eight to 10,000, maybe 12,000 if you really want to stretch it. It's a lot of people, man. There's a lot of people. So there's a big crowd of people following Jesus around. And what a coincidence that at this point in time, he decides to ask the disciples, who do the people say that I am? It's kind of interesting because I'm sure like, like if you think about it, it's like he kind of stops and he's like, I want to, I want to know, I want to know who, what, what these people think of me. Yeah. Like, let me ask my 12 disciples who just finished administering all this food. For sure. Like. Y'all, oh, y'all, like y'all, like y'all, 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 y'all were walking around these crowds. Yeah. Like who, when they say, when, when they ask you like, where did this food come from? Oh, right. you know, Jesus blessed it. Who's that? Yeah. Or maybe they know who he is. Like, oh yeah, the miracle worker, the miracle worker. Or no, oh, he's a prophet. Right. And they're like, I got to think about it. And it's like Elijah. What did Elijah do? Well, there's that, there's that one instance in, in the old Testament with Elijah where, uh, the dude who brings fire from the heaven. dude who brings fire from heaven, but it's but it's also Elijah that I believe is also the one who um, stretches the oil for the widow. Oh, right, right, right. There you and go. And he like he creates like a surplus of oil for this woman, and he she, he's like, "Go tell your sons to bring me every single empty vessel. I'm going to fill everything with oil." Right. Like so, it's like I can see where they're saying Eli- Elijah, but it's funny too, where it's like, "Oh, it's John the Baptist," because earlier in this path, early in this chapter. He talks to Herod, and Herod is like, well, I know you ain't John the Baptist because I just killed that dude. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, man, there's a, lot of, there's a lot going on here in this passage. And what I love, what I really, what I really enjoyed was the stark contrast that's going on. Mm. So there's, an, there's the flow of Luke chapter 9 up to this point is Luke is telling the story of this guy, Jesus, going out and performing mir- miracles. 
basically his name is just being thrown around yep. and it's basically synonymous with a good teacher, um, a prophet, Elijah, John the Baptist, maybe one of the old prophets has come back to life. So his, his name is kind of synonymous with, man, this is a cool dude that I kind of want to be around. Yep. And, and it's kind of the picture that it's, that it's kind of painting for, for, for those who may not be acquainted with Jesus is this awesome guy who does nice things for people, walking around with some Birkenstocks and a smile on his face, <laughs> drinking tea and stuff like that. Like, just such a cool dude, like a really cool guy that you just want to hang out with. Yeah. But then he asked the question, who, 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 do the, who does the crowd say that I am? And then he answers them, and like you just said, very interesting that they, they they paint him and they point him to be someone who was thought of very highly. Mm-hmm. So you, you can immediately tell that the crowd thought of Jesus to be a very important person, yep. a religious leader, maybe a prophet, Elijah, like we just said, maybe John the Baptist. And they already have like a high view of Jesus. And who Absolutely. He is. So that, that's what that's what the writing is trying to point us to, that they already had a high view of of Jesus. And so did the disciples, yep. because Jesus didn't go and ask the crowd, who do you think I am? No, he asked the disciples, the people who were with him when he called them into, into the ministry, when he called, when he said, hey, come and follow me. Now, they answered him. And in Mark chapter 8, the same scenario plays out, and so does, and it also plays out in Matthew chapter 16. The other two synoptic gospels. Yeah, the other two synoptic gospels. Here in Luke, he doesn't go into so much detail. But when he asks, when he asks the, the second portion of the question, who do you say that I am? Now he's shifting the view of Jesus mm. into a more personal level and a very personal level. Yes. Now you're not speaking for a crowd of people who are following you around. Now you're speaking for yourself. Mm. Who do you say that I am? Mm. And I love how, how I think Matthew and Mark respond. And, and they say, um, I think it's in, it's in, it's in Matthew chapter six, chapter 16, verse 16. And he says, uh, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Mm. That's a very powerful statement because now, not only are you saying that Jesus is God, but now you're also talking about the character of God, that you are a living God. Mm. You are the living God who the, the physical embodiment of God is here with us in this place. Mm. And he goes on to say, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. Or he said, I think he says, uh, he says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you. Uh, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Yeah. Man, that's that's powerful right there. Because he switches on a dime, and he changes from the, from, from the macro to the micro. Mm. He switches and he says, hey... Who do these people say that I am? Now, who do you say that I am? Do you believe who I've been showing you that I am? Because he wasn't, he didn't just come onto the scene and start saying, hey, bow down to me. I am the God, (laughs) the Christ, the son of the living God. No, he doesn't say that. 
he starts to show them yep. and he calls them. And there is something so irresistible about Jesus mm -hmm. that they can't help but follow him. They can't help but put everything down. Peter can't help but put down his nets, his fishing nets, and just follow Jesus. And he owned that fishing company, too. Oh, he so does. it's like, it's not even that, like, he put down his fishing net and he's like, hey, boss, I'll be back later. It's like, like no. I'm putting my business on pause. Yep. And he had a wife. He had an he had in-laws. He had a family that he had to take care of, most likely. Yep. So these guys, they put everything down and they just start following Jesus just simply because he called them. That's the such an irresistible nature that God has in that way. Now, the interesting thing is that he says, um, Simon Barjona, mm -hmm. and he, he kind of alludes to his, to his human nature at that moment and yep. saying flesh and blood didn't reveal that to mm -hmm. you. Like, not, you didn't know that I was God. And it's, and it's cool. Cause like if you, if, if, if you, if you've studied Hebrew a little bit, bar means son. Yeah. Yeah. So like now at this point it's like Simon, the son of Jonah. Yeah. Your dad didn't tell you this. Nope, he did not. Your family didn't tell you this. Your 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 parents, your grandparents didn't tell you who I am. Mm -hmm. The Spirit of God is who told you who I was. Absolutely, and that's where you know that's where I that's where he turns it over to him, and he starts telling him, "Man, there's so many things here on earth." That w when we continue to devote ourselves to it, we start missing out mm. on the blessings of God, the knowledge of God, the peace of God, the joy of God. So check this out. The more Peter and the disciples spent time with Jesus, the more they grew in their faith, the more that they saw the work of Jesus uh, um, flourish and have fruit. Mm. And it comes to a moment where Jesus asked everyone that question who do you say that i am and we can very quickly say you're god you're mm. the son of the living god you're christ you're the messiah mm. you're the sent one mm. and i think that's so powerful because it alludes to being with jesus yep. and spending time with jesus both in his word and in prayer and trusting him in times of need and going to him in, in times of anxiety, Jesus says, man, cast, cast your burdens on me. Bring them to me. My burden, my, my yoke is easy. I will give you rest. I will give you peace. And I love that because right before, um, in the beginning of this, of this passage of this chapter, Jesus says to the disciples, hey, come with me, but don't worry about bringing anything. Yep. Just bring a little knapsack with you. Bring an overnight bag. Leave your staff. Leave your extra clothes. Exactly. You don't need none of that. Just leave everything home. Don't worry about bringing anything. I got you covered. And and mm. very quickly, you start to understand who God is at that moment is he's going to take care of you. The, the same one who calls you, the same one who gives you a direction in your life is the same one who's going to equip you. We've heard that a lot. Mm. But in in these texts, we can tangibly see how that's happening. Mm -hmm. And we can see how Jesus doesn't, it's not just a, um, a phrase that we can use here today to, to, to um, I, I guess, to, to poetically speak about Jesus and his work, but it's something tangible that he actually did mm -hmm. with his disciples and those around them at that moment in time. So the question that I want to pose to everyone who's listening is, who does Jesus say that he is? I mean, who do you think, who do you say that Jesus is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... 
that's that, that's actually where my mind was going with this because it's like it's like yeah we have and and especially in today's world the yep. crowd dude like if you've ever listened to a uh, wretched radio yeah uh <laughs> Todd Fry, oh man, he does a good job. Shout out to Todd. Um, but like he always goes out, he goes out to the colleges on Wednesdays. Yeah. Over in California. And he just mm-hmm. talks to people and he wants to find out where they're at. And it's just like, that's the crowd, man. Like who's who is the crowd saying that Christ is? And like, yeah. I know from my own experiences, like people is like, oh, it's just a dude. Oh, he doesn't exist. Oh man, it's just stories. Oh man, the Bible's not real. Da 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 da. And to bring it down to just such a personal level, like mm-hmm. Who do you say that I am? It's 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 such a profound question in my in my head because it's it's really what Jesus was really asking Peter was like, how highly do you think of me? For sure. Where am I in your life? For sure. Who do you think that I am? Who do you say, Peter, that yep. I am? And for Peter to respond like the Christ of God, the the Son of the Living God, like he he is making a very conscious statement and saying you are the one that the lord has sent for my salvation yeah yeah you are the one who is going to provide for me i just saw you provide for five thousand people like it's like like i look at that instance in in this specific in this specific instance it's like he is portraying one of the names of god jehovah jireh provider right like and it's like well he called us out and he told us to leave everything and then he showed us what he can do in provision sense. Like I know that this man is going to take care of me. And if he can take care of me in my physical sense, and I've seen him do this time and time again, and I've seen him exercise demons and I've seen him like cleanse people. And I've seen him forgive people of their sins in these moments. Like he, he can be no one else, but the Christ. Absolutely. He can be no one else, but the Christ. And what I would love to say and, and just interject there real quick is that, even though this is this sounds incredible and it sounds amazing and oh my god this guy is god and i can't believe that that peter just just says that and jesus tells him hey don't don't go and tell anybody that oh. what <laughs> dude that's crazy because at this point that's not even the climax of the text nope that's still the build up the climax of this text comes later well he he goes on and he tells them he he foretells his death and he, you know, he talks about in verse 21 and he says in, in Luke chapter nine, verse 21, um, and he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one saying the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. That's crazy because you just you just affirmed that this guy is God. Mm-hmm. He just confirmed it for you by telling you, yeah, flesh and blood didn't tell that to you. You're absolutely right, but don't tell anyone because <laughs> there's still a couple of things that I need to do. And, and I, don't want, point, I don't want I I don't need anyone stopping me from performing God's will. Exactly. Well, actually, Peter tries to stop him. Yes. Uh, later Peter's on. like, bro, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? What do you mean, die? Be raised on the third? Are you crazy? Because at this point, remember, at this point, what the people are looking for is a political leader, an economic leader. They want to be they want to be delivered politically from 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 the uh, from the oppression of Rome at that time. So there's a lot of things going on that that play into Peter's response. But Jesus very quickly tells him, don't tell nobody, 
No, man. No, he says, um, get behind me, Satan. Oof. He says that that very line of thought to try to hold me back from the will of God, mm. from, from what God has instructed me to do for my love for you, mm. in my love for you. And that is a lie. That's, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. Mm. Because the job of Jesus was to suffer, to be rejected, and to be killed. Mm. And check this out. You want to hear the climax of that? Because that still wasn't even the climax. Give it. I, I just read it. <laughs> it's like, what? The climax is that that's what we're called to. <laughs> we're called to suffer, to be rejected, and mm. to be killed. Because later on, after Jesus ascend, after Jesus resurrects from the dead on the third day, he comes back, finds his disciples, commissions them to go and tell everyone, hey, go and share the gospel with everybody. Mm-hmm. And remember, lo, I will be with you to the end of the age. And there's, man, there is so much comfort in that because in this world as a Christian, when you share the gospel of oh, you're the gonna Lord, be, you're gonna you be are ridiculed, going to suffer. You're going to be rejected. Mm-hmm. You're going to be rejected, and you will certainly be killed oh, by the public. Definitely. Cancel culture. So the cost of this, the, the point of this is the cost of discipleship. If you are a Christian, if you are a professing Christian, if you trust Jesus, remember that he suffered for you, but he's equally ca- calling us and calling you to count the cost of discipleship. And that's what this is ultimately is counting the cost of discipleship and obedience to the Lord and saying, hey, I trust Jesus and I love him more than anything that this world can offer. And if you have that line of thought, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. Mm-hmm. And he even, and he backs it up too. Absolutely. He backs it up. Verse 23, he says, and he said to all. So he's literally like, as soon as he says like, his, like the Lord's plan, like, hey, look, I have to be killed. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily mm-hmm. and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does a prophet man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Oof. Man. That's encouraging. Oof. As and a Christian, looking at that and reading these passages, it's. There's comfort in that. There is genuine comfort in this, knowing that this is exactly what Jesus suffered through, and this is exactly what he's calling us to suffer mm-hmm. through. And if we're true believers in Christ, if we're true believers in Jesus, mm-hmm. we're going to take that step. We're going to take that step of faith, and be obedient yep. at all costs. Yep. And then it's, it's, it's cool because it's like, um, like we're talking about like the cost of discipleship at that point, where it's like. Okay, you want you you want to follow Christ. Yeah. You want to follow Christ. Cool. <laughs> it's time to take up your cross. What's what's your cross? I'm like am I literally going to be taken to a cross by Roman soldiers? Absolutely not. Not in this day because maybe in, maybe not in the US. Maybe not in the US. Uh definitely there are some in the parts mid- of the world. Definitely that we will be in the Middle East. Yep. They still they still are beheading Christians um mm-hmm. in China Christians and Muslims and in Egypt as if, well. If if you are not given into yep. the government you are sent to a concentration yep. camp like egypt they do it as well like it's it's one of those big things of like hey you have to pick up your cross are you willing to follow me on these convictions are you willing me to follow are you willing to follow christ to the point of giving up 
your sins and your worldly pleasures for what he wants you to do and how he wants you to live. So it's like, look, I, I, I've been going through, uh, well, not going through, I just started going through it. Uh, first Thessalonians, um, share with us, brother. So it's share with us. Uh, and I was sharing Mag. I was sharing with Mag earlier with this, uh, first Thessalonians is just a really great book to go through. If you want really applicable, like, well, I don't know how to live as a Christian. Guess what? <laughs> First Thessalonians is going to tell you straight up how you should be living. Uh, I would encourage each and every single one of you to go for this. But right in the beginning of it, uh, Paul's Paul's writing to the to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, "We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ." He continues. He says, "For we know, brothers, loved by God." that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy spirit and with full conviction, like that full conviction piece is like, okay, that is my cross. That is my cross. I know that the Lord paid for my sins with his death on the cross. His blood was shed for me and his blood is what wipes me clean and then Paul says in Romans, like, should we continue on sending that grace should abound? By no means. Like, it's it's one of those things that it's like you have been set free from your sins. So now it's how do I walk in such a manner to be worthy of Christ's sacrifice? That's right. And 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 I'll tell you this straight out, like, none of us are worthy. Not a single no, one no, of us, no. not not a single one of us are worthy, but it's you know. We are worthy in God's eyes because we have Christ inside of us. And when Christ looks at it, when when God looks at us, he sees his son. He sees the blood that was shed and he sees that we're covered by that blood. And he sees and he will not hold our sins against us, but he still wants us to live upright and righteous lives. Like yep. he doesn't want us to just continue walking in filth and mire. <laughs> like He wants us to live this new life. So then uh, verse six of uh, first Thessalonians chapter one says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy spirit. That's right. Like that affliction is like, like, guys, I know it's hard. It's, it's, it's hard when the Lord really starts working on you and he starts chipping away. Sorry about the little Mac noise there. Uh, it's yeah. Right. Uh, it's hard when the Lord starts chipping away at you um, and he starts like showing you your sins. Mm. You know, Romans also says where there was no law, there was no sin. And that's just generally kind of saying like, Hey, guess what? Now, you know, (laughs) the truth has been shown to you. So now it's time for you to accept that truth and live in that truth. And there is only, Oh, I might, I might get canceled for this one. I'm sorry, Mike. There's only one truth. It's not subjective, guys. <gasps> Goodness, how can you say that? Because <laughs> because that's what scripture says. Uh truth is absolute. Um yeah. and that is the word of God. The word of God is truth. And if I am going to believe that, I have to live based on those convictions. And it is going to be hard for me to let go of sins because especially if you've been living it for long enough, yeah. your sins just kind of start catching up with you. Oh, absolutely. And if and and of course they're pleasurable. They're meant to be pleasurable because our flesh. I mean, if it wasn't after. pleasurable, people wouldn't do- delve into them. Oh, exactly. You wouldn't like, want to be. You wouldn't want to. You know. You wouldn't want to dive into sin if it didn't feel good. Exactly. Like, 
it, it give you guys some of my background, like my early twenties, drinking, smoking, doing whatever I could just to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, and what the world considers a good time is detriment to our spirit. Yeah, and it's at the end of the day, like I'd get home drunk, I'd get home high, wow. and I'd lay in my bed by myself with my thoughts. And my thoughts were still there. My depression didn't go away. My self-loathing didn't go away. Mm-hmm. None of it went away. There was no joy in my life at that time. But it's like as soon as Christ entered into my life and set me free from those Amen. sins, that's where it became that thing of like there was joy that was restored to my life. Amen. And though the affliction was like giving up those things, not hanging out with certain friends because it was going to, send me into a place where I didn't want to be anymore. It was going to keep me in that depressive state. Like I didn't want that anymore. So I look at this passage where it's like, you became imitators of yeah. us and of the Lord for you received the word in much affliction. I looked at Christ's truth. I looked at the gospel and it said, Hey, guess what? Your sin is actually hurting you. And what I love about that was that you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Oof. That's powerful right there, man. Oof. This text here, you know, Paul's writing this letter and he's writing it in connection with the book of Acts because mm-hmm. this is also a a this this letter was also intended to be kind of like a building blocks for yep. the church and in the sense of this is what you should model your church as. This is what believers mm-hmm. should strive to be. This is what we should focus on and things like that. And he reminds them there very clearly that you received the word of God in much affliction, but mm. you received it with joy of the Holy Spirit and meaning that, and it's, and it's, and it, and it, and it, man, this creates such a, I mean, your testimony that you just shared about your early life was, or your early twenties, excuse me, is in direct connection with this because you were in much affliction in those times. But when the word of the, when, when the word of the Lord came to you, Instantly, you received it with joy. You were ready to receive it. Mm-hmm. You were at a point where the Holy Spirit had come into your life and illuminated you in such a way where you could understand and take joy and find peace in the Word of God, mm. allowing you to forsake everything else yep. that you were that you were trying to hold near and dear. All those sins that you were trying to to dive into, to suppress pain, to I don't know to have a good time whatever whatever uh your train of thought was in that in that in those times now the holy spirit changes that and mm-hmm. allows you to to acknowledge and understand and say sin isn't isn't really doing it for me anymore mm-hmm. this one night stand no it's not it's not, it's not it. really yeah this isn't cutting it I, this drinking it's not making me happy it just makes me feel worse because when i sober up my problems are still there as christians our problems are still there we can look at every circumstance with joy. But we live differently. We understand that our problems aren't necessarily just a consequence of our sin, Mm. but it can also be an opportunity to trust the Lord, Mm. an opportunity to be sanctified by the word of God, an opportunity to bless someone else with our our testimony. Think Mm. about that. Some of the afflictions that people have gone through, it's not necessarily just to shape you, and, and sharpen you for the glory of God, but it's also to shape and sharpen other people around you, mm. which I, I think that to be very powerful. And that's 
that's in direct connection with with how Paul's outlining here. Oh, uh, definitely. First and that's uh, first Thessalonians. And that's and that's actually one of the things that he encourages the first the the church in Thessalonica on that it's like because of their testimony and because of how he, how they had been living in their Christian testimony and their character like the rest of the Christians in that yep. region, not just in Thessalonica, but the whole region mm-hmm. were encouraged by them and the gospel spread throughout them. And it's, and it's, and it's funny that you bring up the sanctification thing because it's like in chapter four, first Thessalonians, I, 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 again, I do the same thing that Mag does when I first read a book, I kind of breeze through it. Yep. Uh, I'll highlight everything that like really sticks out to me and then I'll go back and I'll kind of I delve into dots. it a little more. <laughs> I make, I make little dots at the end of the, at the end of the, or in the beginning or end of the of the margin, mm-hmm. just to know that hey, there was something here that I read that was interesting. Go back and read it again. Yes. So I, I do that here on my on my Bible app. Yes, I'm a heathen. I use the electronic Bible. Ill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but First Thessalonians chapter four verse three says, "For this is the will of God, your sanctification." Mm. Like, and then I, and then you read through the rest of this, and it's like that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you before and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards us disregards not man, but God who gives this Holy Spirit to you. So it's like... Bro, it's just like, like the Lord. Sorry about the buzzing. We got some. Uh, we got a bug zapper out here, and it is going to town. Um, oh no, they're definitely hearing that one right there. <laughs> the work of uh, the Holy Spirit sanctification on a bug. Uh, <laughs> but it's just it's it's one of those things that it's like I look at a passage like that. First Thessalonians four, and it's the Lord's will for my life is to sanctify me the lord's the lord's will for my life is that i would become holy that i would not i think i think the zapper finally got it guys uh it's like the will of the lord is for me to be holy to abstain from Mm -hmm. impurities like whatever that may be like and then that reminder that it's like and it's 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 not that i'm disregarding a man it's yeah. not that I'm disregarding other humans. It's not that I'm disregarding the crowd. If I fail to do these things, I'm disregarding God. Mm. I'm disregarding the fact that he has given me his Holy Spirit for strength. I'm disregarding that he has given me his Holy Spirit for joy. I'm disregarding that he has given me his Holy Spirit for peace. And I'm just continuing to do what I want to do. That's right. And that's not what he wants me to do. He wants me to be more like his son he wants me to imitate his son he wants me to be he wants my mind to be transformed by his word and his truth and by continuing to read through a book like thessalonians and just really look at the practical aspects of christian life right and what it means to be righteous before the lord so in in the passage right before that and the section before that and from chapter two to chapter three, or from mid chapter two, something like that, he points out and he talks about um, the concerns that he has mm-hmm. for the church and, and for the, for, of the church in Thessalonica, and 
that section that he that you just spoke on right now, it's Paul letting them know and reminding them, hey, this is what you should strive for. Mm. This is that moral purity that you should strive to have because, man, I, I always tell my sister this. If you, my sister, you know, she's graduating high school now and mm. I, I love her so much, but whenever we talk about the future, I always tell her, hey, you know what? You should shoot for those stars, girl. Like mm-hmm. as, as cliche as it sounds, <laughs> shoot for those stars. Why? Because even if you don't make it to the stars, at least you landed on the moon, dog. Hey, hey at least you land, you landed on the clouds or something like that. You, <laughs> you didn't land where you were at. And this is kind of what Paul is telling these people is, yep. hey, shoot for the stars when it comes to moral purity. Strive, mm-hmm. pursue holiness, knowing that you have the power of the Holy Spirit to make it. Because even though in the flesh you may not be perfect, the Lord is seeing you in the image of Christ. Mm-hmm. And you have the power within you to yep. strive for that moral purity. You yep. have the power now to say no to those sins that you couldn't say no to before. Mm-hmm. And this is what Paul's reminding this church in Thessalonica. Hey, since you have the power of the Holy Spirit, because funny enough, you read that passage and it mentions the Holy Spirit again. Yep. That's the second time mm-hmm. in four verses, or in four, excuse me, four chapters. And those are just those two sections that we read because he mentions it a lot oh, more. Oh, he mentions it a ton. He, he mentions the Holy Spirit here a lot more than twice. But those two sections, he mentions the Holy Spirit intentionally and reminding them that one, you know the word of God and you were given the word of God by the Holy Spirit. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're able to pursue holiness mm. and you're able to pursue moral purity. And that, my friends, is what it looks like to carry your cross daily. Oh, amen. Oof, what a tie. Right? That, that's a good one. Right? That's good. That is that is that is what it looks like to carry your cross daily. Like you're looking at it and saying, "Okay, I may not have the strength in my flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. But because of the Holy Spirit that is within me, I have the strength to get through these things." Yeah. I have the strength to like really look at my life and say, "No, because Christ set me free from my sin because he died because he accomplished the mission and will that he was sent down to earth to do. I can now live in this newness of life and really pursue this righteousness and purity and holiness that he wants me to pursue, which by Thessalonians is the will of God for my life. Amen. Amen. And that's just like, it's just something that's so powerful that if it doesn't change you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny enough that before we started recording today, um, we were we were facing some difficulties and some challenges technically and stuff like that. And I, I tell Sam, man, this this Christian life is so difficult because you want to you want to do something for the Lord. You want to honor the Lord and you want to do things right and you want to mm. do things well. But then you have roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, temptation after mm. temptation. You want to pursue holiness. You have that desire in you. You do you want to. And I love how Paul just says it, man. I, I want to do the things that I, I don't do the things that I want to do, but I do the things that I don't want to do. Ugh. And Paul just sympathizes with us in such a way. And so does Jesus. Mm-hmm. So does Jesus, man. Yep. Jesus just sympathizes and sympathizes with us in the perfect way mm-hmm. where he he tells the disciples 
and I need to be ridiculed. I need to be rejected mm. and I'm going to be killed for your sake because I love you because I love, I love my church. I want to honor God. I want to do right. And he perfectly executes what he came down here to, to do on earth. And then in the same vein says, do the same thing for my sake. Absolutely. I love that you said that because that's, that's exactly where I was going. He challenges us to pursue that. There's nothing wrong with being a Christian in the 21st century. Absolutely not. There is a lot wrong with claiming to be a Christian in the 21st century and not wanting to count the cost of discipleship. Mm. There's, you can't call yourself a Christian, but then live like hell. Mm-hmm. We, really, we, we really can't. And I understand the lines, and trust me, nobody understands this more than I do, but... Um, there are lines of temptation. There are times oh, of temptation. There's, we do fall to it. We're not perfect. But those defining moments for us should be what happens after we fall to temptation. Are we going to dive ourselves deeper into that sin because it feels good? Or are we going to return to the cross, repent of our sin, leave our burdens, leave our frustrations, at the foot of the cross, knowing that the yoke of Christ is easy. And, and, and he and will his burden and his light. burden is light and he will give you rest. Um, this is this is really the, the biggest um, the biggest dilemma right now facing the church. I believe in the 21st century is not more knowledge. It's not the division of theology and doctrine, but it's moral purity. It's pursuing moral purity for the sake of the glory of God. Because there's a lot of moralists out there oh, who want to pursue moral purity for the sale for the sake, excuse me, for the sake of self-gratification. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to we're very few people. I would wanna say want to pursue that for the glory of God. Want to pursue it genuinely for the glory of God. And that's what that's what the biggest challenge for us here is going to be tonight is pursue honoring the Lord. Mm-hmm. Not for your sake, but for the sake of his holy name. Mm-hmm. So what I can encourage you guys is, uh, if you really want to look at what this cost of discipleship looks like, man, really just go through the books of the Bible, really yeah. just go through the New Testament, really just study into this, like really dive into it. Paul says in Romans seven twenty four, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to the God. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like, like. I would really encourage you guys to just really dig deep into God's word, mm-hmm. apply it into your lives. And if you want some more stuff on cost of discipleship, look up Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yes. I had to throw him in there. Oh goodness. Well, yeah, look you up, can't talk about this without I, throwing him You in. can't. You nah. can't. Look up a book called cost, The Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And this man really hones down on what it means to really be a disciple of Christ and what that cost and sacrifice is for us for the sake of Christ's sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a fantastic book. I definitely second. Um, I definitely second that. And thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you, you for, for joining us. Guys. Thank you for listening in. Thank you for joining us tonight. We really hope that you enjoyed listening to us. Hopefully it sounds good. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, leave us a review. Leave, leave us a review. Check yeah. us out. 
uh, comments on our Instagram. You can hit us up through there. Pillars of Smoke. Um, yep, yeah, Pillars of Smoke uh, podcast. Uh, I think it's just Pillars of Smoke. Did you create it's... a Facebook for it? I did not create a Facebook, oh, okay. but Never we mind. we have the Instagram. It's a uh, Pillars awesome. underscore of underscore Smoke. Uh, so. Yeah, follow us on Instagram. Give us a follow. You can also follow us on Spotify. Yes, sir. If you can leave a review, a comment, anything would be super helpful. We would love to hear back from whoever's listening out there. Uh, we'd love to communicate with, with whoever's listening, have conversations about uh, about the Bible. Uh, if you have any good questions, man, we might be able to address it here on the podcast. So hey. uh, any good questions out there, we would love to uh, to use them. Thank you so much for following us. Thank you so much for listening in. And uh, we hope you have a great rest of your day or evening. God bless you all. Grace and peace.